Hi, I'm Peta Barrett. I am the owner and founder of Women's Wilderness Discovery in Ely, Minnesota. I outfit and guide trips year-round in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. And in the summer months, when I'm taking out canoe groups, the only canoe that I have in my fleet is the North Star uh, North Wind 17s and 18s. They are my go-to. I stock no other brand. And there's a really good reason for that. Number one, they're beautiful boats, but they track well, they maneuver beautifully, and what I love the best is I always have the safety of my clients in mind. So if you are out, and inevitably at some point, you will get into some bad weather, and we get some pretty high winds, and that second part of the stability, uh, when you get into wind with a North Star canoe, they become even more stable. The design of it has a very rounded chine, and it can take those wind and waves much easier. You can drop to your knees and paddle that canoe in a high wind and get, you know, get to your campsite. So I have never been in a situation in wind and waves in the Boundary Waters where I felt my group was unsafe. And that's what, I mean, I take out a lot of novice paddlers. And so um, whether you're a very skilled canoeist or you're a newbie, this is the best canoe on the water and it's made right here in Minnesota and the customer service is second to none. I'm proud to support North Star Canoes and this podcast. Feistier. Man. Barking. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern light. Wolves, wilderness, national forests, and Lake Superior. We got it all right here, buddy. <laughs> we stand uh, under the warm fall sun, thinking about the changing season as we go through another round of traveling through space around the sun and what we let go of from the last season and what's coming up for the next my favorite season 
uh, ice <laughs> skating. <laughs> we hope to get in some of that. Actually, that'd be. We're trying to do some winter camping, early ice skating, early ice walleye. We got some plans. Of course, you know Matthew. It all depends on the setup. It all depends on what the weather gives us, and surrendering to being ready for whatever may come, which is a lot like every trip into the Boundary Waters. For those of you wondering, this is episode 77, WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I completely forgot. (laughs) That's because you're looking out at this lake. Ah, waterfall behind me. Yes. And... It's particularly great thing about this time of year when a lot of the other fishing wraps up. Mm-hmm. We get to uh, focus in on one particular type of fish, and that's the brook trout. The beautiful, beautiful fall brook trout. I'll never forget that first male brook trout you pulled in from that Boundary Waters Lake just in this past month in October 2022. They get that orange. You pulled it in from the depths, and we could see that orange flashing down there. Such a beautiful fish. It was maybe one of the most beautiful fish I've ever caught and and put up an amazing fight. It was an amazing experience. We've been catching a fair number of beautiful brook trout this past month. Uh, brook trout, inland trout, so rainbows, browns, splake. Brook trout close October 31st. Now we're moving. Now we're here in November. So we got out a couple times and we did some boundary waters fishing. And then we also did both of us, which is what we're going to hear about on the episode today, some just outside the wilderness brook trout fishing, adventuring, Superior National Forest. It's all one big expansive wild place. Knows no boundaries. Let's get in and hear about it. We're here on the edge of the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. It's an absolutely gorgeous fall morning, late October. Calm lake in front of us. Sun just came up half hour ago at the most. Here with Josh Dix, and last night we were serenaded by some living creatures of the woods. Josh, what did you hear about uh, 3.30 in the morning last night? I think we had probably my closest encounter camping with wolves yet. And we've I've been out on the entire Superior Trail, Boundary Waters, and we've heard wolves before. But man, last night we were sleeping with the wolves. <laughs> Over and over, from 3.30 on, what, every hour, they'd wake up again and howling and barking. We guessed, what, maybe 100 rods away? Seemed to be 100 rods away. There's another lake just on the other side of this portage and kind of a drainage that goes to a different direction but essentially flows in between the lakes. And they were right there. It wasn't like uh, last night we had some wind and we were having our campfire Josh, you picked up on some wolves, and then we heard it again the second time. It, it definitely was, but you had to strain your ear to kind of be like, uh, "Yep, yep, some wolves off in the distance." This was this was up in your business, basically. I mean, it was right there. They were right here with us. I just remember thinking, if 
if they get any closer, I, I think I'm going to go see and make sure that Joe's hearing this too and see if there's any actions we need to take. Uh-huh. Um, but they seem to be staying put, just kind of getting through the evening like us and talking and checking in with each other every once in a while in a very loud, howling fashion. <laughs> yeah, it was loud. It was, uh, you know, not unnerving, but if you are frightened of wolves or not comfortable knowing that you're camping in wolf territory, it would have jolted your nervous system for sure. I mean, it woke us up. Uh, I actually had pulled out my phone, which would bring on a trip like this for a camera, to see if I could record the audio. And as soon as I'm pulling out the video format, getting it set up, turns off like a light switch, the howling did. So they were there. Uh, All is well, though, and uh, plenty of space out here for many, many types of creatures. And we are out here on this fall trip chasing trout and walleye as we said, on the edge of the wilderness, we've been successful in both of those. In fact, had a fine fish dinner last night with uh, some mashed potatoes. Josh, how's this trip going for you so far? It's been wonderful. I can't believe how warm it is. It actually warmed up overnight. It's been calm, so we've been able to fish easy from the canoe without getting blown all over the place. We knew this was going to be a successful spot. I knew it was going to be. I wanted to make sure that I was right by bringing Joe out here. I you know, once we got the first one in the boat, then I, I knew we wouldn't get skunked. And, of course, I should have known not to even worry. But, <laughs> yeah, this is a good fishing spot. It's, you know, off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. It's outside of the boundary waters, but Superior National Forest. It's wilderness, though. It is wild country out here. There's hardly a path to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we still saw one other group make it out. We thought I thought for sure this this would be the spot we wouldn't see any other people, but one other group dared to venture into these secret waters too. I think they were thinking the same thing when they saw us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who else would we come out this far and why? Uh, but as we said, plenty of space, and actually because there's a couple different lakes, we were able to kind of let them have the, the trout lake for a bit, and we hopped over, caught some walleye, some nice fall walleye. You know, they're deep at this time of year, kind of the lakes have turned over, so it's a different type of walleye fishing, but uh, was pretty pleased. Caught a, a few, three, I think, and uh, put missed a few, so uh, had a nice walleye. Walleye brook trout combo dinner. Jeez, that was nice. And uh, beautiful fire right here by the lake last night. Let's talk a little bit about dispersed camping on Superior National Forest. This is something that the U.S. Forest Service has made a, push for in recent years as the Boundary Waters becomes more crowded and permits are harder to obtain. Maybe people get frustrated about uh, campsite availability and so forth. And here we are kind of taking advantage of that recommendation, although permits are free this time of year for the Boundary Waters. We're in the non-quota part of the season, but uh, we came here nonetheless because this is a great great place to be. It wouldn't matter uh, what time of year. Josh, dispersed camping, uh, what, what's, how's this going for you? You know, I've stayed at some of the, uh, the National Forest campsites. I think they kind of refer to that as dispersed camping as well. Um, but there's no campsite here, and I kind of I made sure to, I wanted to look up the rules before we left and make sure we're, you know, we're allowed to do this mm-hmm. and we're fo- you know, following leave no trace like you you don't have a latrine out here. You don't have a fire ring, so you gotta, you know, take care of your business and dig a hole. And, you know, we're gonna completely cover up and make sure our fire pit is is gone when we're when we're leaving. Like your, our goal is, you know, besides our footprints to leave nothing behind here. But, and overall, it's it's worked out. We found a great kind of opening in the woods. We were able to get our hammocks up without too much trouble. I don't know if a, a tent would have worked out quite as well, mm-hmm. but. 
It, it feels like a campsite right now. It feels like our, you know, our home in the woods, just like a boundary water site would. Yeah. It does not have the luxury of some of the amenities. There's no fire grate. There's not a tree, as you are saying, Josh. It's not like, here we are at the campsite. We had to kind of craft this in our own vision. Would that depend on experience? If you were, let's say, a little, you know, not as familiar with camping in the Boundary Waters, would this kind of seem a little too rough? Or how about somebody that's wondering about this uh, from more of a kind of an introductory level? You know, I, I've, I personally haven't been to Quetico, but from what I've heard, I, I get the impression that this is a little bit more on par with that, you know, a little bit more of a wild sight. In the middle of the night last night, I definitely thought, you know, somebody that wasn't as comfortable in the woods probably would have been having a pretty rough night last night mm-hmm. <laughs> and not much sleep being had. But yeah, I don't know. What, what do you say? Intermediate level, I think. It, this wouldn't want to be your first wilderness experience, I don't think. But, you know, if you've been out there a few times and got your systems down and comfortable in the woods, I think this is a real great way to get out. Mm-hmm. And you went uh, to the Gunflint Ranger Station to inquire about uh, some of the technical stuff. You did some online research, and you were just asking about use of this area. Uh, is that something that people also should do before a trip like this? Of course. Yeah, I checked the website. I checked the rules twice just to make sure. My wife gives me a hard time sometimes. I'm like, no, no, you can't bring that into the Boundary Waters. We've got to follow the rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, yeah, at one point even I stopped in the office just because I had some questions about this area, you know, as far as, like, motor restrictions and roads and trails i just because it's outside of the boundary waters you know the bwca rules are pounded in your head you know like you gotta pass the test before you go out there but this is a little less common and so i just want to make sure i was doing the right thing here and enjoying the woods without causing any trouble the leave no trace principle really is important here as well because it's it's kind of on you to make sure that you're taking care of a place like this so that it doesn't become you know, over overrun with activity. Uh, like Josh is saying we're going to actually dismantle this fire ring before we head out today, uh, move the rocks back into the woods and scatter them about, put some kind of duff over the ash and, get, you know, essentially get rid of the fire pit. We've got some things in camp that would be illegal in the Boundary Waters. I've got my glass Magledora Instant Espresso uh, for all you Shug fans out there uh, because I, you know, normally I put that in a Ziploc and when I was getting ready to come on this trip, Josh, I had the conscious thought of, wait, I can just bring this whole thing in here. You know, we don't have too much in the way of portaging, although it was some distance, uh, that I brought that basically because I can. It's it's a little bit different, but you got to get that type of object out of here. Glass is a huge nuisance. It's something that historically was left behind or tossed into the lake or whatever the case may be. Not cool. Get it out of here. <laughs> Nothing would have broke my heart more than if we'd have come up onto this site today in this beautiful lake and there was garbage around here. I mean, that's, that would have been a major turnoff to this experience, you know? You got to take care. You got to own this. You got to take care you got to step up and show some responsibility to keep Superior National Forest. Just because it's not the boundary waters doesn't mean we don't need to also show it some love. You know, just um, last week I was doing some work on a uh, on a Forest Service road, and um, I really was surprised to find some beer cans sitting out in the woods along the road. And it's just really unfortunate when you run into that stuff. Even along the Gunflint Trail, you know, they have every year they got to have all these volunteers clean up all the garbage along the road. Um, 
It's it's almost a shame you have to go this far into the woods to get away from garbage in the woods. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was nice. This is pretty pristine. Not a lot of people coming out here, and I guess that's what we like. Well, and I think that's part of why the Forest Service is encouraging people to check out some of these opportunities on Superior National Forest dispersed camping as an option. It's a it's a different type of experience to some extent, but if you're familiar with canoe camping, this is a great opportunity to probably have even a little bit more solitude than some of the Boundary Waters lakes. So check in with the ranger stations and Tofty, uh, the Gunflint and Grand Marais, or some of the other ranger stations over in Ely, and uh, inquire a little bit more. Or maybe they'll even you know toss you a name of a lake to go check out for some dispersed camping opportunities, or just read the map and and see where you might want to end up. Uh, we've had a great time. Fall brook trout is just nothing more beautiful than a brook trout in fall coming in. Uh, they fight really well. The beautiful colors on them. And uh, they taste delicious, so <laughs> it's hard to uh, beat something like this. Even though, as we said, Josh, this time of year we could go to the Boundary Waters, and it's the same—it's <laughs> the same thing. It wouldn't cost us a penny more to go there, but we opted to do this dispersed camping. I'm really glad that we did. I think uh, we'll probably both be back here. Uh, how's how's the fishing going for you? Is this kind of what you were hoping for on a trip like this, Josh? I mean, that was almost part of why we decided to camp. You know, you could come out here and fish, and then you're going to have to canoe and portage back out in the dark. And, you know, it was probably, what, two-thirds of a mile back to the truck from the first lake that we got to. So, you know, this is great. We're going to go back out fishing this morning and ideal time, and we didn't have to do all the work again to get back here this morning. Mm -hmm. um, the fishing's been great. That lake's calm. It's gorgeous. We've got the dead calm reflection right now. The tamaracks are glowing. Yes. The coffee is hot. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> right. All right. Well, glad to be out here with you, Josh. Thanks for uh, basically kind of making this trip happen. Really grateful to be here on this beautiful fall morning and uh, hope it adds some inspiration to somebody else to get out here and do some dispersed camping on Superior National Forest. Uh, thanks a lot, Josh. Yeah, thanks for coming, Joe. If no one knew or bothered to mention that if you were outside of the wilderness, you know, with wolves howling and catching fish and camping, you'd never know the difference. Right. Other than, like Josh was saying, the, the fire grate isn't there, there's not a latrine, but it's, it's more like Quetico is what Josh was saying, you know? So you're saying... You can have your backyard Quetico experience, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Uh, I mean, look at this incredible area where we do all this recreation. Here we are standing on the shore of Lake Superior. We got this river flowing here. There's probably some coaster brook trout moving into this river. It's this gorgeous day, and it's all good. It doesn't. The, the permit into the Boundary Waters has its own appeal and draw, and we go there all the time, Matthew. This isn't to try to dissuade people about the Boundary Waters or something like that. It's just Superior National Forest, the North Shore, there's so much abundance of stuff to do and areas to explore that is basically never-ending. And a person who's been doing it a lot longer than you and I, Matthew, is somebody you got to talk with recently. I'm really excited to hear uh, from a a friend of the podcast, a friend of, of the North Shore and WTIP. Let's jump in. 
It was just a few days ago that the weather turned unseasonably warm, and my good friend Buck Benson and I decided to venture out in search of brook trout. But it didn't start there. It started a few days before that, actually a little while before that. Where did it start for you, Buck? Well, it started uh, for me, other than going way back, it started for me about a week earlier when I went with my good friend Jonathan Rova on a canoe trip, just a two-day trip. We went into uh, Paulson Lake from Seagull and decided, well, we'll bring our fishing rods, see what happened. And it just kind of reignited the thought that maybe fishing would be fun again. So when you started talking about Joe's project to get out and get some brook trout, I started getting the maps out. And when I saw you next, you had a map laid out on the table and you started pointing and talking. Where did that take us? Well, that took us to uh, deciding that we could take your vehicle into this certain lake because there's no way I could get my car in. So off we went and uh, because of the autumn, leaves hit a few of the rocks that the road is basically a rock outcropping in this initial ascent to the road and took us into a, a real beautiful lake on a beautiful day. So often we're talking about the boundary waters that are within the wilderness line. And what is often forgotten is that the lakes, the fish, the animals, they don't know that line exists. And so there's incredible places on both sides. And we decided to go to a place that we had to work to get there, but it was outside of the wilderness. And you knew about this place from your own exploration at other times in life, right? Yeah, when, when I was young, uh, my connection to my dad, really a lot of it revolved around brook trout fishing because um, he had little time to spend too busy in his business but he, he kind of ignited uh, the thought about brook trout fishing by talking about places he went. And there was a, a kind of a holy grail about brook trout fishing other than walleyes or bass or something that, um, that uh, he connected me to. In fact, he would even, when, when talking about those places, he, he would lower his voice to a whisper even though we were the only two people in the room, because they were secrets. And that really got me fired up as a little guy to go out and find those places. And I had a lot of help from uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Milt Powell, who used to take me to those places. So uh, I, did, I kind of quit fishing at one point in my life, and now I'm thinking it's time to get back. And that's exactly what we did. And we got up that rock wall of a road and bottomed out several <laughs> more than once. But we got there and we got the canoe on the water and describe that day a little bit for us, would you? It was really unseasonably warm. In fact, uh, although the air temperature uh, wasn't that warm, the sun really has some power yet in the sky. and. I was, you know, we're in uh, short sleeves and we're fishing for brook trout on an, an autumn day that was hard to hard to beat in a place that was hard to beat. So 
how could we not have a good time? <laughs> yeah. And the fish were biting. That helps. It, it, it isn't necessary, but that's what you, you're there doing, so they might as well cooperate. The first goal was adventure and exploration, and you were taking me to a place I'd never been, and that was a huge reward. But the fishing was all bonus, and we did really well with it. When you hook into a brook trout, does it bring back memories? Well, yeah, it it sure does. And just that whole day brought back a lot of memories. And I, I spent so much of my youth uh, following places on the map. We didn't have maps like Fishers or Mackenzie's in those days. It was um, it was geographic maps. It was you know the official maps, and I'd have them spread out in my bedroom. And I spent a lot of time following rivers from the from their end point to their starting point, looking for beaver dams I found on the map and hoping that I'd find that one secret spot nobody fished before where all the big fish were laying. And of course, that's, that's just the tug that keeps you going. I mean, this was about fishing, but it was about exploring. And that's been a part of your whole life growing up here both inside the wilderness and outside of it. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that experience of finding a spot that you've never been to before and even maybe camping out in those spots and just being out there, how that shaped who you are now. Exploration was always a big part of what got me excited. So I grew up in the 60s. Uh, the Boundary Waters was formed in 1964. And I'd been fishing brook trout for some time then, even though I was quite young, because I started young. Um, and when the Boundary Waters, some, some jobs became available, I, I went to work building portages, uh, opening portages. I'd spend 10 days out uh, canoeing and working, four days home working for my dad, back out for 10 days, what a life I had back then. I, I, was, I didn't know how lucky I was at the time. And you were in high school? I mean, what age did you start this, I imagine, summer lifestyle? Yeah, I started when I was in high school, and it continued for the first couple years of college. And uh, it, it ranged from building campsites and putting in latrines to... Uh, to opening up the trail to Eagle Mountain, all sorts of, of things that we did in those days. And like I say, it was just, uh, for me, it was just right where I needed to be. Did it even feel like work for you at that time? I was a working fool back then. And no, work didn't phase me a bit. We worked hard, but uh, the days were, were long, but you know, you had boundless energy when you're that young. And, it was, it was, uh, I cherish it now. And so that continued. I mean, you're still, you still pull out the maps. You still are highly motivated to find a new spot or revisit old spots. Do you think that became a part of you in that time? Yes, I do. And when you said, um, maybe we should go brook trout fishing, then it, it, it just, I got excited again. And I got the maps out, and the maps really, whether they're uh, trying to figure out a route in Nepal for my bike or um, biking in um, the Mediterranean, as we did last, 
last year, wherever it happens to be, I get excited when I can go exploring. And on this day that we were out, even though it was a, simply a day trip, we decided to do some exploring of our own. We were out there to fish, but it, the call of what's over that hill just kind of grabbed both of us. Yeah, you were, you were the one that uh, spotted a trail that going, th going through the woods as we were fishing uh, uh, along the lake. And why not should we follow that, you know? And it took us to another lake, just as we were kind of hoping. That added a lot to the, the day, to some, a trail I didn't know about. And you didn't know about it except to spot it. So off we went. And I was glad I had somebody along that likes to do the same thing. So, You know, I know there's a beauty to picking a route, picking a destination, and, and following it. And that has all of its own joy. But the idea of going into a place, whether it's in the, in the Boundary Waters in the Spear National Forest, and not knowing where you're going to end up, has a different feel to it. And you told me some stories about how you or a friend would say, I wonder if they're fishing this lake. And you'd just take off and see where it took you. Yeah, in the earlier days, we didn't have all the information we have now. So you were more, um, if you wanted to find things out, you had to go do them. You weren't able to just look them up. You would get gossip from friends. And I remember uh, going in with, hiking into Eggers Lake with Milt Powell, and I was still in high school. And a hot day, working our way over a huge hill to get in the, in, into Eggers, which there is no trail there, you know. And we went there because Milt had heard from a friend 20 years before that he hauled a pail of brook trout in there and dumped them in the lake. And I didn't know anything about the lifespan of brook trout or how they reproduced at that time. Of course, now it's obvious that even if they had done that, there'd be no fish in the lake left. So, that, yeah, those things can happen when, when you don't have the resources that we do now. So we, we did a lot of exploring together. Milt Powell was a peach of a guy, and I know I'm not the only young person that he took out, despite... Uh, working two jobs, having a family of his own at home. He found time for people, yeah. And he obviously passed something on to you that you still carry with you. Well, I, I wish I was half the man Milt was, but um, he, he did ignite that exploratory feeling in me too, that you can do it. Did you spend much time sleeping out there in those days, or were they mostly day trips? Those were mostly day trips of brook trout fishing. You know, the, the sleeping out and the camping started uh, when I uh, started working in the Boundary Waters because my dad didn't camp. He did enough of that in World War II. So, uh, in fact, he didn't fish all that much with me, brook trout. Mostly he would just point things out, which was enough to get me going. And so you've seen this landscape change and evolve over the years. And yet you still get excited to go to someplace that's not in the Boundary Waters. Any thoughts on that? There's a lot of places out of the Boundary Waters that are really wild places. 
nobody goes to except the few people that might, like myself or you, that um, might want to explore. Um, we're not following a, a canoe route. We're just going for it, basically, in a lot of these places. So um, I don't feel any different being outside of the Boundary Waters when I'm in a wild place than being in it. It's uh, still a wild place. Thank you, Buck. Anything else you want to add? Thank you for taking me fishing, Matthew. <laughs> Buck took me fishing. <laughs> Well, nice of Buck to take you fishing or vice versa, however that, whatever the arrangement was, uh, wonderful to hear. Opportunities to get outdoors, Superior National Forest, dispersed camping, fishing in, in the Boundary Waters and outside the Boundary Waters, it's all good. Well, I have to say that, you know, Buck, true to his word, the day after that conversation, he took his solo canoe up and mm-hmm. caught a couple of splake on a front country lake and... It just is limitless adventure potential abounds. Uh, we're so, yeah. And all you got to do is pull out a map and figure out where you want to go. What comes next for us now that trout season has ended? Uh, starts again New Year's Eve, the 31st I see this year, is the opener for Boundary Waters Lakes only. Uh, that's where definitely the wilderness line does apply to that circumstance. So the opener for trout, December 31st, which means we hopefully can get in some early ice walleye. And we're going to wait and see what happens with the ice. If it forms last Thanksgiving, for example, we were out ice fishing and skating on Thanksgiving in late November. So it's it's not really looking like there's a, a cold snap right around the corner. We've had some cold temps, but it might be a little bit later. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh Ice fishing is next. So great to get those brook trout end of October. Matthew, I had a lot of fun getting out there with you too uh, before we went out with uh, Josh and you went out with Buck and so forth. We had our own little adventures earlier in the month. Been a good October. was very good to us. Uh, full of gratitude, which is true to the season we are in now. Uh, I want to remind you, all of our listeners, how grateful we are for you that you join us here at every episode. and. Uh, Encourage you all to say out loud the things that you're grateful for and share them with those you love. All right, now let's go see how Cold Lake Superior is. No way. At least get a hand in there. All right, here we go. Get a hand in there at least. Here he goes down to the lake. He's got some rocks to shimmy on here quick. Holy cow. Carol, there's Lake. I know, hold on. Here he goes. He's going to tell us. Woo! Whoa! Lake Superior! I wouldn't want my... Oh! <laughs> Sleeper waves! Sleeper waves! <laughs> I just sing when I paddle canoe Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Roll me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around 
campfire light All round, all round, all round The campfire light Thank you.